Hello, all. Welcome to another episode of the B-Side Podcast for the Film Stage Special Quarantine Edition. I have a feeling there'll be a lot of those in the coming <laughs> weeks, but we're here. Um, as you know, this is a podcast where we talk about movie stars and filmmakers, not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but the movies that they made in between. And thank you for joining us. I'm, as always, with Connor O'Donnell. Connor, how are you? I'm, I'm how doing are you, all right. How are you surviving over in New York where it's just rampant with viral activity? People are I going have, to bars. I have toilet and paper. Not... Hey, so that's, that's good. That's a win. Good for right? you. Yeah. Love that. If you guys <laughs> need any... Uh, you know, I'll mail you some or something. The voice you're hearing that's not Connor's or mine, of course, is the lovely Brian J. Rowan. He, if you listen to this podcast, you must listen to the podcast he hosts, which is the Film Stage Show, the 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 greatest Film Stage podcast of them all. Um, <laughs> you're goddamn the right. Over there. <laughs> he is a writer, a budding photographer. You can check out his photography on... Is your Instagram just Brian J. Rowan? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Great work from a lens perspective. Me and Connor are professionals. I think we can say that. I think we yeah. have an eye for these things. Yeah. Sure. Really nice photography. And um, Thank you. also... The master distiller at Schmidt Spirits. Brian, what's up? You we've talked about it on Slack, but what's up with Schmidt Spirits? Tell us about it. I mean, we're all here. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> People can maybe go get some whiskey if or whatever if they're going crazy in their house near DC. Yeah, so it's it's almost funny because like people are like, oh, toilet paper, oh, food, oh, hand sanitizer. And I'm like, oh man, I have like two thousand pounds of grains. <laughs> we have we had just bought like a giant thing of toilet paper for like the the um the bathroom that we have that like our guests and stuff use. And then we have not only our, our, our liquor that we distill, but all the stuff that comes off first that we can't even use. So we have like gallons of high proof stuff that could be used for hand sanitizer. Oh, that's funny. But I was like, who would have thought at the end of the world that having a distillery would actually turn out to be really good. Well, yeah. Cause alcohol obviously is a disinfectant, yeah. right? So there you was, know, um, how many I movies saw... have we seen where people pour alcohol on wounds and stuff, you know? I mean, yeah, like yeah. how many times has Jason Bourne stolen a bottle of vodka and like poured it on his gunshot wound? <laughs> so true, so true. So, oddly, so like this is one of those stupid things that I know. A gunshot wound has a very low risk of infection because the projectile is already so hot. And yeah, right. I guess the burn, that, yeah, that makes sense. Right. It, it cauterizes it, it, burns, it, it cauterizes yeah. it, right, yeah. yeah. Um, Fun so facts from Brian J. Ryan. We're not gonna we're not gonna dwell on coronavirus because I would imagine if you're listening, you're want to be distracted from it, and that's why you're listening. So of course, let's kind of move past it. Just wash your hands. Maybe don't go to packed bars, you fucking monsters. Just you know, just you know, yeah, go is that to a your thing, thing that has been ha like? Was there like I a don't social know, media so upheaval with, with Twitter, which I've just learned now. My my poor wife is like, please stop looking at your phone and i'm like yeah obviously like you know t the way twitter tells it every dumb person in the world is like doing ripping shots at senior frogs right now you know what i mean Meanwhile, <laughs> I, it's can, like every I can confirm I, like, I did i did go to the movies yesterday to see bloodshot and why would uh, you risk your life a, for bloodshot? a future a future vinnie d you know what Brian, that sounds like someone who hasn't seen bloodshot no, i'm kidding <laughs> that is true yeah. <laughs> yeah um no but i can confirm there were quite a, a an alarming number of people in close proximity really? to one another oh, the movie theater, was, the movie theater was different because it was empty everybody was sitting like you know seven seats apart or whatever so that, sure. yeah. that was like less alarming but the uh yeah the the bar and food scene was like people were spitting on each other's plates and eating off of them and you know it was bad because <laughs> like i am um, you know <laughs> i i 
on during the week i work from home anyway so like i have one extra work from home day now that we're like self-quarantining and so people are like oh like what are you gonna do it's like my life hasn't changed that much on the weekends i have no social life i wake up i take care of my daughter who's three and a half go to the distillery for you know a full work day and then come home and then collapse in exhaustion and so to hear uh, i i looked at twitter at some point today when i was finally done with everything and people were making jokes about like packed bars full of people and i was like was there like some weird counter revolt of people who are like i will not be contained a little little well it's weird though it's a mix right because like there's photos of midtown manhattan empty and i I, anyway we're dwelling on it we're doing exactly what i said we wouldn't do so we're gonna move right along sorry we're all living we're all living our lives as best we can so okay Today's subject is the wonderful Jet Li. Um, we've been wanting to do him for a while just because he is kind of a perfect amalgamation of kind of what this podcast is about. He is a movie star, but there is that element of like he's a transitional movie star, obviously, you know, from China to America. And he did have hits here, but there are a lot of B-sides that go along with it. Um, we went on the Slack, which you can join, uh, Brian always says, on the film stage film stage show if you join the patreon for the film stage show you can get in on our slack so on that slack i literally was like hey me and connor are doing jet lee does anybody have an inkling you know to do jet lee and then brian jumped in and was like let's do it let's freaking talk jet (laughs) and it worked out nice um with kind of our schedules and so this worked out and so yeah i mean just to set it up you think jet lee obviously you you know if you're a westerner you're probably going to immediately think Jackie Chan there's just kind of a natural obviously you know for better or worse one came after the other um they're both chinese Jackie Chan uh born and grew up in hong kong jet li was born in beijing so a little bit of a difference there jet li's currently 56 years old he's about 9 years younger than Jackie Chan and in my research and i did a little bit more research than even than usual i think for this one just because i knew less about jet li and obviously we have more time by and large, because of everything going on. Um, from all that I read, Jet Lee is the fighter, right? Like, like Jackie Chan went to um a he has a performance background, right? So, like mm-hmm. he was an actor first, and obviously he's an incredible stunt person, and he you know, his martial arts skills are amazing. But from all the reading I did, you know, so Wushu is a you know, the style of martial arts is very popular in China. And Jet Li competed in Wushu and he won, right? He was very good at a young age. And so he kind of, the acting came second, right? Which I think, you know, not to say which one's better. I mean, I, I tried to kind of dig into that thing of like, who would win in a fight? Jet Li and Jackie Chan. <laughs> Most of what I got said Jet Li would win, but obviously, whatever. I mean, who? what do I know? You know, I'm just reading random, you know, random well, websites I think and whatnot. That's, so. that's actually interesting, the, the fact that a lot of people would say Jet Li, because I think that that, is very much in their personas like just just with their western work jackie chan is always like oh no like i don't want to have to fight you but i guess i will and half of it will be me falling over and accidentally like you know hitting the loose plank that will hit you um whereas jet lee is very much like silent until he moves and then murders you well you know what's funny you know what i was thinking about just so it's this is going to be a bit of a stretch but i'm going to do it anyway so the when when you watch Jackie Chan movies, people always bring up um, like Buster Keaton, right, and uh, Charlie Chaplin, because of course the physical comedy and whatnot. And I would say if you're going to do that, and if you want to get reductive, and why not? Um, I would say yeah, in a way, to your point, it's kind of like um, Buster Keaton was always stunts first, right? Like you know, if you watch his movies, 
there there are plots and whatnot, but really mm-hmm. like he was physical comedy, physical acts first. And I do think you run into that where it's like Jackie Chan is more like Keaton and Jet Li is kind of more like Charlie Chaplin, right? Where you have this yeah. thing of like, they're both doing crazy shit, but in the Jet Li movies, there is this element, like he is, there's a lot of plot, <laughs> like as compared to, there might be quote unquote, a lot of plot of Jackie Chan movies, but they're only to serve the next thing. Whereas in, I yeah. think a lot of these Jet Li movies Especially something like Once Upon a Time in China. Like, not to get, like, not to, but like, I don't, has Jackie Chan ever made anything as intricate and culturally, like, deep and resonant as Once Upon a Time in China? I know we, that isn't one of the movies we uh, are watching for the B-side, but just in terms of that movie is like, there is a lot going on. I literally just finished it before we started recording. I mean, that movie comes out in 91 uh, in China. It's a huge hit. And that that movie is about colonialism. It's in the 1800s, based on a real guy. Um, it kind of people credit that as sparking what is now and was the postmodern, you know, martial arts action movie movement that came out of China, right? So it's an important movie. And obviously Jackie Chan, a lot of what he did was very important. But I think on a cultural level, I wonder like. And I admit I'm I'm a neophyte with this, but it seems like weirdly in my research, Jet Li is like arguably more important to China, which is crazy. I would not have thought I would have thought that, but he hmm. is revered in such a big way there. And a movie like Once Upon a Time in China was so important. It's very interesting. You know, even like go, I mean, we'll get to it uh briefly. Like his movie Fearless, similarly, yeah. is also very much like, you know, you know, I want to say it's not. I guess not propaganda for China, but it's very pro. It's like a very patriotic movie. And I guess, I guess when I think of Jackie Chan, I think of Supercop. I think of Twin Dragons. I think of Jackie Chan's First Strike. I think of Who Am I? Right, like all the mm-hmm. the imports that came in in the nineties. Police that were Story like One and Two, and yeah. right, right, exactly. You know, um, but anyway. Um, so today, the four that we're going to focus on uh, in chronological order. Uh, Jet, Li, Jet Li movies are Kiss of the Dragon from 01, Cradle 2, The Grave in, I believe, 02, um, and then War from 2007, who could forget War, and then The Forbidden Kingdom in 2008, which is the final convergence of Jackie Chan and Jet Li in one movie directed by the guy who directed the animated Lion King, baby. <laughs> That's who we needed to bring him together. Rob Minkoff. He was like, I've done the Lion King. What can I do next? Put Michael Angarano in between two <laughs> martial arts legends. Um, so I guess let's just start with, um, let's just start with where was Jet Li in your guys's life? kind of as, as, you know, where did you first see Jet Li? I guess for me, I'll keep it short. And it's obviously going to be kind of boring. It's uh, it's Lethal Weapon 4. I mean, I, I remember watching a pay-per-view of Lethal Weapon 4 in like 1999 and being like, who the fuck is this dope villain who's kicking Mel Gibson's ass? Like, I loved him in that movie. So what about you guys? Do you rem- did you see Black Mask or like some I, of the other imports? I that remember came in? the poster for Black Ma- Mask. Right, me in, too. Yeah. In like the movie theater and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I don't I didn't see it in the theater. And so I like remember that. But even that I feel like was around the same time as Lethal Weapon 4. So 96, I believe, Black Mask got brought over. So Lethal well, Weapon I think 4 it like came over in like 99. 
Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. You're it totally was made right. in you're 96, totally right. but I think right. the U.S. Yeah. like well, like we didn't get it until 99. So until I feel 99. like yeah. he was certainly obviously like having a moment. Like I think Hollywood at large was like, yeah, let's you know let's get him over here, right? And um, yeah, so I think Lethal Weapon was definitely my big introduction. But outside of that, I feel like the first uh, I feel like the first one, like I remember Cradle to the Grave being out. And I remember Kiss of the Dragon being out, but I never really gravitated towards them. And I feel like the first one uh, that I like sat down and watched, maybe outside of Hero, was uh, was Unleashed, where I was like, oh yeah, let me like dive into like really dive into like Jackie Chan. And then from there, I or sorry, Jet Li. And from there, I uh, I kind of like backtracked and like filled in some holes. But um, but I think Lethal Weapon was my was uh, my big introduction. Yeah, for me, I I have memories. It's so funny because when you brought when you brought this up, I immediately said, "Unleashed is my shit. I love it. That's such right, a good movie. Right. It's so underrated." And then I was thinking of all the other Jet Li movies I'd seen, and I realized that like my memories of him are almost purely trailers that I watched in front of other movies sure. <laughs> in the early two thousands. Yeah. So like. Romeo must die yep. and like cradle to the grave and like kiss of the dragon. I kiss of the dragon. As I watched the movie for the first time for this podcast, I was like, I remember that in the trailer. Yeah. I remember that in yep. the trailer. Yep. Like the part where the, the, I can't remember his name. I should really look it up. The, the evil French dude. Oh my God. Who, who is the evil French dude in like a oh, million yeah. Hollywood okay, studio so I'm gonna, movies? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to butcher his name, but I, it's Checky Cairo, I believe. Yeah. That's what yeah. it looks like. But um, the moment that he says like, you know, why did you kill him? And then the other thing he says is his other trailer line was like, there's a time for diplomacy and a time for action. <laughs> diplomacy is dead. And I was just like, yes, There's I remember this trailer like so well. Yeah, yeah. Is, he, um, is he next to you, Brian? How did you? How yeah, did you that say? was such a good voice. I channeled yeah, I mean, him. He, he he was Bob in, in the original La Femme Nikita, right? So mm -hmm. like, yep. he's been around. He's in The Bear. Right? He's in he Goldeneye. In, he's a Russian he's the in bad Goldeneye. Guy. He's for... the bad guy. Right, right. He's, yeah, he's in Goldeneye. He's that same year. He's the bad guy in Bad Boys. Yep. Right, like. If you remember, um, yeah. he was apparently who could, who could forget oh, he, his performance in Wing Commander. I mean, we all remember him. <laughs> no, Wing Commander. Oh no, Freddie Prince Jr. He's Why? actually in a movie that I love, a Neil Jordan movie that I absolutely love, called The Good Thief from two thousand and two. Oh, Nick that's Nolte. a great movie. Yeah, I he's, love that movie. He's a yeah. he's in The Patriot. Yep. Yes. He's in The Core apparently, and he's in Taking Lives. I mean, yeah, he in That's the Patriot weird. is like the country of France, right? Like he represents yeah. like yeah, he's, he's the French guy. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, a, yeah. he's a good guy in that movie. Yeah. Well, uh, but like ultimately, right? Like, do you remember that whole movie? It's like, do something, do something like that whole movie. They're like, you French, you have to. And then finally they come and help us like that. Yeah. The movie frames that whole thing very, I mean, obviously very kind of interestingly, but, um, but yeah, so, so, okay. So Jet Li, like we said, he's from Beijing. He was a wushu master at a young age. He won a lot of competitions, right? So Once Upon a Time in China comes out in 91 and kind of puts him on the map, right? He had already been making movies, um, of course, but that's the one where it's like, oh, wow, this is the guy. And funny enough, the director of that movie, um, who I believe, uh, Sui Hark, I'm sure I'm butchering that, he actually went on to direct most of the Once Upon a Time in China movies because it became like a, 
a six or seven film franchise with the TV show as well. He also directed Twin Dragons, which is one of the first Jackie Chan movies I ever saw, which is that's the one where it's like Jackie Chan and Jackie Chan in Twin <laughs> Dragons. You know, and I remember watching it's like his, a bad, the one. It's his. Uh, yeah, right. Right. And I and I remember watching like a bad dubbed version of uh twin dragons like in the late 90s with my buddy mike you know and like stuff like that and even though with the one which isn't one of our b-sides but our our friend robert who me and connor know from different films and, and we know robert uh he on twitter he he asked if we were going to talk about the one i did rewatch it i will simply say this he doesn't actually fight himself as much as i remembered him fighting it's only himself. it's only like it's one like major really scene, one right? major t- yeah 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 remember like back in the day when like jet lee fighting himself You'd be like, well, how did they do it? Like, yeah. that's crazy. It's 2001. <laughs> like, nothing makes any sense. And now it's like, you could have a movie where multiple man, like, you know, plays hopscotch with himself while, like, others of himself are making out in the background. You're like, oh, Yawn. this is boring. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, so, so the Yawn. funny thing, the funny thing with the one, though, is like, that is such a right after the Matrix movie. Because, sure. you know, you had like equilibrium, right? Stuff like that. Where, yeah. The one is right in that wheelhouse where every single thing they do, and it's kind of a detriment, and we could talk about this, it's kind of a detriment to Jet Li himself because it's like they they zhuzh up the effects to a degree where his natural ability almost gets lost in the bullshit of like the zhuzhing, you know, and that, you kind of go yeah. like... And well, that's, that's we can. I mean, that's kind of a thing. It's probably one of the reasons I loved rewatching Kiss of the Dragon because yeah. that, and I, I remember liking that when I was younger and kind of being defending that, you know, and kind of be, that was like a movie I would be like, Oh, you know, to other people, you should watch that movie. That movie is like really cool. And I still, it, for me, it kind of held up uh, by and large. And I was kind of, it was such, I mean, it's pretty small stakes, basically all practical effects. I don't know if you guys read the Wikipedia, but the fight at the end, they, it was so fast that they had to slow the yeah. frames down yeah. Yeah. in post because they couldn't, your eyes wouldn't be able to keep up with what they were doing. Yeah. And that's something they say about a lot of these, um, like, you know, martial artists turn actors. I think Wesley Snipes was another person where they were like, yeah, like, you know, we had to, the, one of the reasons he in looks tilted on right? camera sometimes yeah. is that we have to have him do everything that he can do at half speed because the camera just simply won't pick it up if he does it like you should well let me simply say this we're not going to talk about the expendables trilogy but i will simply say to watch these movies and then recall that he is basically a half racist punchline in all three of those movies yeah, is like it's a fucking nightmare i mean i will simply say i'm just happy that jet Li got a nice i would hope his, got a nice his name in those movies, movies is yin yang oh, I, I, I only saw the first expendables and i remember it being like kitschy in an enjoyable way but i did not see the other ones i have seen them all i have and seen that was, them all that was one of those movies where it's like sure he's a racist punchline but like everyone is giving everyone shit it's that kind of dude relationship where it's like right right, right. you just insult each other because you can't say you love one another right <laughs> yeah it's not it's not it's like not it's not like chinese specific race it's literally every single person you know yeah any sort of stereotype it's very uh those movies are a choice i mean they're a choice that were made and you know eh, yeah it, yeah it's a free market so if it works you know <laughs> you do it and that's a good um, way to put it but anyway i suppose we'll jump into yeah i mean so sorry just i, I just want to kind of get to him in his filmography so yeah so he makes 
Once Upon a Time in China. Uh, it's a big hit. He immediately makes the second one. Um, quick shout out to Tai Chi Master, which he's in with Michelle Yao, who then he reunites with in the the Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. And she's actually in the director's cut of Fearless, though she was cut out of the theatrical. And they're very good friends. And obviously we love Michelle Yao. Michelle Yao, one day we'll do her on this podcast. She is a fucking genius in her own right. So they make Tai Chi Master 93. Um, Fist of Legend, by all accounts, the Shenzhen movie, is apparently amazing. I did not get a chance to watch it. That was kind of the follow-up, by all accounts, in terms of like, wow, this guy Jet Li is like the next Jackie Chan type deal. Um, So a recommendation just from the world. That's apparently a great movie coming from China that he was in in 94. And then Black Mask, he makes in 96. It ultimately gets released in 99 stateside he and then he makes i think it's i guess it's once upon a in china six or no i'm sorry four it says once upon a time in china in america and then yeah and then leave the weapon four is kind of the big he's the villain he has the kind of crazy final fight scene on the pier where they mm-hmm. fucking stab him through the thing and he's still fighting he's got a pole through <laughs> his chest and he's still fighting crazy gently <laughs> and um love that movie uh underrated movie um leave the weapon four Romeo Must Die is like the first Jet Li as the lead with Aaliyah and DMX is also in it. Andre Bartowiak movie. And it does okay. And then it's the one the next year. It's Kiss of the Dragon. And then it's Hero. Um, but before we get to there, we'll talk Kiss of the Dragon. So, yeah, I mean, what do we think about Kiss of the Dragon? This movie rules. Yeah, I'm so yeah, pissed off at myself this, for not having seen it earlier. Yeah, this movie's this movie's pretty fucking cool. I would I feel like I had seen it, but also Brian, to your point, I couldn't remember if I had seen it or if I just remembered certain things from the trailer so vividly that when I yeah. saw them in the movie, I was like, oh yeah, no, I I, I definitely like the know uh, the pool I, I, ball I, thing I, where the he pool kicks ball. the yes, ball. Yes, I know exactly what oh, you're yeah, talking they, about. Yeah, lean on that pool ball. Yeah, like every yeah. piece of marketing. Yeah. And um, yeah, I but like yeah, yeah, Brian. To your point, I just feel like as I watched it, I was like, how have I never? This was so fucking cool. Like I, it's uh, I'm gonna just right off the bat, I'll say this is my favorite of the four we're gonna talk about. Like it, this is the one that I would like, it, like wholeheartedly recommend to somebody if they hadn't seen it. Oh, yeah. Uh, of the four we're yeah. going to talk about. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I would just, I mean, just while we're talking about it, I would say, you know, post American, you know, import, right? So, like, you know, Lethal Weapon 4 on, I would still argue that Hero is the movie that's kind of the standout. Um, you know, it's a Wuxia movie. Um, it's amazing it's a movie i truly love i've seen it multiple times he's great in it he plays nameless right the you know maybe assassin of the emperor yeah funny enough is the same quote-unquote emperor he plays in tomb of the dragon emperor right so he plays the the titular dragon of, of, of the emperor that he then played only a few years later so anyway hero is great watch hero it was fantastic. Yeah. I really liked Fearless. Um, we're not going to talk about it that much because we wanted to kind of do the lesser known ones. But I would say, you know, I think Connor, I think I liked Fearless a little bit more than you did. Um, that's a movie he really fought to get made in the States. It was called Jet Li's Fearless, right? It was yeah. kind of, he said it was his last Wuxia movie. Um, like I said, we're kind of neophytes with this stuff. I don't really, I mean, he obviously does martial arts in movies past Fearless, but I, I, 
I don't know if you'd call them wushu movies. This might actually be his last wushu movie, right? Because it's really about, you know, so it's about um, Ronnie Yu directed it, who's kind of a great filmmaker who then came to America and, you know, like a lot of these filmmakers got tossed a, like a bag of, bag of crap and made Freddy versus Jason and like, you know, like movie, like the <laughs> Formula yeah. 51 and stuff. But then he went back and he made uh, Fearless with Jet Li, which is about Hugh Jungya, uh, which I'm sure I said that wrong, but uh, he is like this famous figure in China who basically made Wushu what it is and would fight in these tournaments. And just quick thing, I'm going to kind of spoil Fearless. In the movie, in the final tournament, he's poisoned by these like Japanese guys that are trying to westernize and whatnot. And it's whatever. And he like, it's arsenic and he's like spitting out arsenic and he fights and he literally fights to the death. And now I was like, oh, they must have totally embellished this for the movie. Now, I I know they did, but do you know that they uh, excavated the graves of, 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 of this guy and his family in 89 and they did find arsenic in his bloodstream? Interesting. I did not know that. That's Isn't that crazy? That's fucking crazy. So like- you know, they said it was this other thing, how he died. But then after the fact, they're like, oh, yeah, maybe he was poisoned, which I was kind of like, OK. Anyway, that's like I love when movies um, can like predict or like foresee something like that. One of my one of my favorite little um, moments of something like that is uh, apparently when Terrence Malick was making the new world. Um, you know, they <clears throat> couldn't actually go to where like the original settlement of Jamestown was, but they were on a place that was similar to it and they like decided to do like dig a well or put like the sawhorse like in a certain place and people were like watching the movie like all their historical um accuracy experts and they were like interesting yeah you put it there because it makes sense because all the actors are having to do all stuff and so then they went and they looked at the actual sentiment of jamestown were able to find that same thing in pretty much the same place oh that's funny interesting yeah. Well, but it's, you know, it makes sense. It's like, I mean, I, in fairness to Fearless, I think, you know, this was made after the arsenic thing got re- announced. But I think it's, mm. yeah, it's, I think, you know, it's one of these things. Now, just full disclosure, and then we'll get off Fearless, but the uh, real life subjects family hated the movie and like sued Jet Li and the filmmakers because of oh, like, shit. you know, because he's, re- I mean, Connor was saying this to me before I watched the movie. He is portrayed in this horrible way in the first half. Yeah, and yeah. The, I don't. And I the don't... movie becomes this kind of moral, like redemption story. And yeah, I think a lot of that was embellished to a pretty ridiculous degree from the limited reading I did. So, you know, mm. no, honestly, look, I mean, they lost the lawsuit because I, you know, you make these movies and it's like, you know, defamation is kind of a hard thing when it's a, you know, it's a you know, based on, right. I mean, you're not saying it's yeah. this guy's life or you're kind of, you know, Jet Li was very open in interviews that it was an interpretation for dramatic effect. Right. And, you know, the movie obviously does have a lot of love for the subject, but anyway, um, big fan of that movie, seek it out uh, as well. But yeah, kiss the dragon. We all like it. And I think if you read about it, they were really determined to keep things practical. I think something, it was something Jet Li wanted. Chris Nahon's the director. He didn't do too much, um, it's from which the is Luke crazy because this is camp. a totally competent movie, and I was totally. like, "How come this director yeah. didn't like have a, a little cottage industry of making these things? Like, why I is do... Olivier Megaton still making shit?" Right. It... I do sometimes wonder if it's more the choreography, though. In these cases, I don't it... know, right? I mean, maybe. I mean, the plot to this is pretty bare, right? He's basically mm-hmm. Jet Li is a Chinese intelligence officer 
who right. is essentially done dirty by this French inspector who is secretly uh, running like a a prostitution. Is it a drug ring as well, or is it just? It's yeah, a little, it's like I think, it's, it's like drugs he, and girls. He's, yeah, yeah, he's, he's a he, vice cop, and he has just decided to become the king of all vices. It seems and, like right. Connor. When you say secretly, he literally starts a war in the hotel, and somehow everyone's like. It, Oh, well, <laughs> keep it quiet. Yeah, like, so I was thinking about that. Like, so basically in the inciting you know, incident that happens within like the first and the, I mean, the first 15, 20 minutes of this movie is fucking great. Like it like oh, it, ver- it, it, it very much is just one of those movies that every you... movie, every movie should have the pace. Like I always say, yeah, I think I think I love about Spike Lee is Spike Lee's pace is great. Like when Spike Lee starts a movie, it's like, yo, this shit started and we're going, right? Like there's yeah. not a lot of first yeah. act in Spike Lee's and, movie. And this movie, I, I mean, it. I will note, it's it's yeah. an hour and 38 minutes. So like- Love like, it. Like perfect, right? Yeah. And yeah. so like tw- the first 20 minutes is basically, 15, 20 minutes, is hit basically yeah. you hit the ground running with this betrayal in this hotel. Jet Li is essentially framed uh, by this French inspector and uh essentially winds up coming into cahoots with uh Bridget Fonda who plays uh, a prostitute and essentially from there it just becomes she is sort of indebted to this uh the, the villain this French inspector his name is Inspector Richard uh yeah. Jean-Pierre Richard yeah. yeah and uh and basically she reveals that she is essentially had a relationship with him and a se- he one thing leads to another he winds up taking her da- daughter hostage and then Jet Li has to go and get her back like that's like basically yeah, that's the, the, whole plot, movie. the plot of the movie right yeah. and so it's super simple um but Dan to your point like everything in it it or at least mostly everything is practical it's it it's a I think more than any. Yeah, there's of the, like two CGI shots. Yeah, and movie. and I think more than any of the earlier Jet Li stuff. I mean, his the stuff he does in Lethal Weapon Four is obviously impressive, but like, it's not as impressive because he's just like wiping the floor with Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. Like, do you well, know what I mean? so he, it's like not. And as he like, said, <laughs> and like I said, he said I, I I watched a lot of interviews with him, and he talked honestly about when he made Lethal Weapon Four. Richard Donner basically had to say to him, "Hey, look, you can't hurt Mel." So. You have to slow everything down. It's very difficult when you work with people who are not martial artists, other movie stars who haven't been trained. You have to be extra careful with them, don't you? Yes, of course. Like the first time I worked in the States, uh, Lethal Weapon 4, with Mel Gibson. With Mel Gibson, you work with Mel so Gibson. So the director uh-huh. first time tell me, is a Jet, you can do everything, but it cannot hurt Mel. Don't hurt Mel. Yeah, right, but right. the first day I work with Mel, I'm very exciting, you know, work with a huge star. And I right, right. move very quick. Right. After move, Mel said, wait a minute. How many hits? How right. many movement? Right. I said, seven. He said, why? I only saw two. Right, I right. I only saw two. Because <laughs> you can't, like, you can't fuck up the movie star. So, yeah, you're right. Like, in that movie, it's really. It, it, it just feels like, tempered. It's, and, it's a punchline, right? Where yeah. they're like, whoa, this guy. What about this guy, right? Yeah. So you don't really get the full <laughs> thing. And, and, yeah. and with this movie, I just feel like it's a really effective early career, or at least early Hollywood career. Um just case study in in the awesomeness of Jet Li, right? Like I, I think it's oh, 100%. It, it's all yeah. around pretty effective. 
um in that regard. and the movie the movie does well too right it costs 25 million it makes about 65 worldwide but i think it does really well on video so it's kind of one of these things where it's kind of it's kind of you know and jason statham and him obviously all end up making five movies together if you include the experimental movies and it's it's a very similar kind of market um decision right where like a lot of those statham movies they basically make 30 to 40 million, but then they kind of crush in Blu-ray sales, right? Because it's like, this is exactly the type of movie you rent on VOD, yeah. whatnot. I so will Kiss say, the Dragon not, is a good not, not to go back to it, but guys, this is a perfect quarantine movie. Like, like if, oh, if oh, this is a great quarantine if, movie. If y'all are sitting at home and well, you just honestly, want some like all, good all entertainment. All of these movies are. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what I was saying. I mean, we were talking about it, I feel like on email and, uh, and I was saying on uh, Twitter a little bit, like, these might be two, three stars on Letterbox, but in my heart right now, they're four or five. Yeah, because I'm well, just like, yeah. I'm like, give it to me, like, give me so these. I watched, yeah. I watched Kiss of the Dragon, and I gave it three point five stars on Letterbox. And I think the first line of my Letterbox review was like, if I'm being honest with my soul, this is probably four stars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it, yeah. it 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 starts off, and like you know what's weird is that you watch a movie that's this like um like a flen- like a fillet knife like this honed to a razor's edge. And you start to think about like all the ways that it would be done poorly. And sure. then, you know, you would start off with like an action sequence that's him like on a different job just to like establish that he's a badass. And then it'd be like, hey man, we got you a new assignment. You gotta go to France. And he's like, okay. And then you're like 40 minutes into the movie before the betrayal happens. Mm-hmm. And this movie instead, it's like, all right, here I am. Here I am in France. I'm gonna go find Richard. And um and yeah, yeah. just it's it's um I think another thing is that so there's a, there were a couple of things that I I find I found myself learning about Jet Li just in watching his movies, and I think that um he is a, an actor who is served by a director who actually knows what his strengths are and not just someone who's looking for someone who can kick ass. Yeah, that's yeah, hundred um, percent true. And and I also like the fact that he appears to have very little vanity like i noticed in in kiss of the dragon there's a scene where they're like on the sen and he is talking to bridget fonda and i was like she is legitimately five inches taller than him in this scene right right and a lot of other people would have been like i need a fucking apple box or she's gotta yeah. like sit yeah. in a trench or something and he's just like no like this is who we are these are our characters and so i think a movie like this where he is playing a stranger in a strange land who needs help and is willing to accept it. And like one of the reasons Unleashed is so great is because it perfectly plays into that same thing where he's right. good when he's a little alienated and he's dangerous, but he's not a person who has any swagger. Sure. I, I think the other thing too, and I'm glad you brought, brought this up because I, I, one of the things I've had a lot of fun doing is we've, prepared for this was just like analyzing him as an actor and like his mm-hmm. perf- his performance choices as opposed to just you know whereas previously you probably just analyze him as the fighter right or the spectacle but um yeah. but one of the things i've i've found to be really interesting particularly kind of getting the context of something like uh once upon a time in china and black mask and moving into things like Kiss of the Dragon and then, you know, we'll get to Cradle to the Grave and War is that he pivots to a, a stoicism that I think really serves him well, I think. But what I think is fascinating is I, I have to wonder how much of that is due to the language barrier. And, oh, I think it's, I think it's uh, heavily because of be, that. Because but like, I think that the stoicism actually doesn't serve that well. I think it that the vulnerability is better served 
with what he's doing. That's why with something like, like Kiss of the Dragon or Unleashed plays better for me as a showcase for him. It's not only an art, like a, a martial artist, but an actor than something like War or um, Cradle of the Grave does. War is an interesting one, and we'll get to it. But it, it it's yes, interesting because it's it's uh, <laughs> particularly in his performance. Like I uh, I was fascinated by like how mean he gets and like because you because well, you watch something like cradle to the yeah. grave or sorry you watch something like kiss of the dragon and even um and even unleashed right and because of that vulnerability there is a, obviously a likability and a and a you know a general sort of uh calming sort of nice nature to him that's that's right there like he's a good guy right he's got a very um like almost like a like a boyish face like he's just like the structure of his face and like his haircut and he he has a very open honest look that i think you know it it, like when he's in that um when he is in kiss of the dragon and he is there like trying not to pay attention to the the pimp who's beating up bridget fonda like he very much plays well the you know um the deferential kind of person like who who is capable right. of great violence and great strength but doesn't really want to it's sure. not his personality he's had to adapt it because of his line of work well um, we should say so kiss of the dragon references this i mean spoilers you know skip literally 20 seconds but kiss of the dragon is a reference to this kill move he does with these like little acupuncture you know pins he has where he part of his like kind of weaponry whatever his arsenal yeah. and he does it to the evil french cop at the end and even him doing it it's like he's like breaking a commandment type thing like he yeah. he like does it to this cop because it's like the last straw and he even says like this is a forbidden thing i'm doing where he basically sticks it in his neck in such a way that it the minute he takes it out of the neck, all of the blood rushes up to the dude's head in like truly one of the most, I forgot it, that the, that it, was the, it's the a, title it's of the movie. It's a great payoff a though. It's truly horrifying. I was like, so, oh God, imagine <laughs> Never that having seen the movie before, I was like, I don't know why this is called Kiss of the Dragon. Like this, like, is it just like, oh, that's a kind of martial artisty kind of thing. Yeah, like, is exactly. it like enter the dragon, but we'll just do it, call it Kiss of the Dragon. I'm like, no one is kissing. <laughs> Yeah, you right. know, it's like there no, are no, no dragons. It's no romance. Like, is it just the fact that he is like, you know, of Chinese descent that it's like, oh, here we go. That's what, dragon. that's what it felt right, like right. at first. Right, but right. No. And then he he does the kill move. And I, he says, like, this is called the kiss of the dragon. And I was like, you named an entire movie after this. And then he explains it. And then it happens. And I was like, yes, it's, 100 yeah, percent. It's such you a named your yeah. fucking it's movie after it's that such move. a good payoff. Can I say yeah, something really mildly, good. maybe mildly controversial to at least dan mecca here um as a sort of you know europa uh, europa corp movie right martial arts movie i think this movie is better than every transporter movie um interesting i love the first transporter as you know um so it's i would say it's close i mean i really like that first transporter movie and but i think look statham and him it's interesting right it's like they have very funny, similar careers up to a point, obviously. Um, and we They're should in many say, movies together. Right. Yeah. We should say, I suppose, the reason we're doing this now is because Jelly plays the Emperor in Disney's Mulan, which, of course, has been postponed. But we were like, fuck it, we're going to go anyway, because, you know, Jelly yeah. waits, waits for no man. So um, I guess I would kind of – it's not that controversial to me. I think I probably like the first Transporter 
more just because of my own history with it. I really love that movie, but I really like Kiss of the Dragon. I mean, rewatching it, I was kind of like, it's just so tight. you know, it's like so. Yeah, it's, tight. Yeah. it's it's also a lot less exploitative than than the transporter it just feels like it i i'm i'm very hesitant to call a movie like kiss of the dragon woke but like i have memories of the transporter where it's like when you first meet the shitty guy who like has the package and he um like is like on a yeah he's in a pool with like all the women and just like i don't know like this movie just feels a little more substance over style or a little like the style getting out of the way of the style that you actually want. I remember the transporter. Every fucking gun shoots tracer rounds, and I was like blown away by that. Yeah, and this I movie mean, is just a lot more. It's a lot grittier. It's a lot tighter. It almost is hard to recognize as a Europa Core movie because of that. I feel like once you get into right. it, though, I it it all clicked. At least for me, like I kind of was like. Oh no! Yeah, this all this all tracks. Like you could well once they you start you shooting frankly, up an entire hotel. <laughs> well, right, and you could have. I think you could have basically, from a plot standpoint, um, you like you could make it a straight up normal Europa Corps Luc Besson produced movie where you, it could just be Jason Statham. Like it, this could very easily just be the plot of a transporter movie, right? Like and fun fun fact: Rick Young is the you know Mister Big in Kiss of the Dragon. Who gets killed at the beginning, right? Mm, Assassinated mm-hmm. and kind of starts everything. Mm-hmm. He's kind of the bad guy, you know, ultimate bad guy in the transporter. So there you go. Oh, oh yeah, well, there you go. Um, now, all right, we're gonna. I would bet spend a little bit less time talking about the second movie. <laughs> um, Andre Batoriak, who you know from, I think he did Street Fighter, Legend of Chung Li. He did yeah. um, cinematographer first, became a director. He did um, he he did Exit Wounds, which starred Steven Seagal and DMX after he did Cradle to the Grave, um, or maybe before, uh, just in the same time period. Um, I remember seeing Exit Wounds as well. Um, those types of movies, kind of hip hop. He also action. did Romeo Must Die. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I definitely this remember kind of, seeing this kind of the triple feature DVD phase. in Walmart for sure. <laughs> at the time right right yeah, right yeah. these were all so, packaged together so okay cradle to the grave um cradle to the grave yeah. even though it, it's which not which is sequel. insane that it's they allowed them to do that on a non-sequel movie yeah, yeah it Love is it. It, it i there i yeah, there's no motivation behind it i don't i don't quite get it but well the, the title of the movie this is the kiss of the dragon thing where you're just like why is this called cradle to the grave right yeah there is actually no reason right no, no it's, it's, I kept sort of waiting, aside from the fact that there is a child in it who is too old for a cradle and that many people are murdered. <laughs> I can't figure out why this was called I Cradle to the Grave. He, DMX has that saying where he's like, faith, fate, fate, faith, right? right. Like, well, no, no, he, they never yeah, say yeah, Cradle to the yeah. Grave. I was going to so, say, okay. no, his name is Fate, but yes, so he does do say faith quick, a lot. Yeah, the quick, this is, mm. I will say, in fairness to this movie, which is not as good as Kiss of the Dragon, in fairness, it is also a simple plot, right? Where basically DMX, the thespian DMX, we all know, you know, yeah, obviously DMX, you know, indeed. the famous Oscar winner DMX. Uh, he plays Anthony Fate, great name, who steals diamonds from this French guy. Um, but not just any who, kind of diamond, though. Well, it's black it's, diamond. It's black diamonds, right? So yeah. he doesn't know what he's done. It's one of these movies. Oh, who do we steal from? We don't know. Whatever. And basically, this kind of chaos agent factor named Sue Jet Li calls DMX and his do and his people and is like, "Yo, uh, you stole from this guy. It's gonna go real bad." And DMX is like, "Shut up. You're stupid. I don't want to talk to you." And then, of course, the 
you know, Sue, who you find out later is an agent, is right. And he stole from this guy named Ling, who's Mark DeCoscos, who you might know from John Wick 3. He's in yep. the, he's like the old, he's like the John Wick super fan who ends up fighting him at the end. He's you know, a pretty good actor, Mark, uh, Mark DeCoscos. Um, he plays the ultimate bad guy in this one. And the whole movie is just, oh shit, they're killing us because of these black diamonds. We have to get the black diamonds. What's up with these black diamonds? And ultimately it leads to Jet Li teaming up with DMX and his team, including Gabriel, uh, Gabriel Union and, you know, Anthony Anderson, who is just firing on all cylinders in this one. And Tom Arnold, who's in like all when are we going to get to Tom Arnold? Yeah, Tom, Tom, Tom Arnold, he's in Exit Wounds. He's yeah. in all. He's like he would, he really made a mint off these movies for a minute. Um, he's doing something in this. I don't know. Um, he's in that. He's in that. Um, what's the the True Lies zone where he's yeah. like. That's oh, exactly. what if I'm the guy who's like on the edges, who doesn't do anything, but every once in a while right. I'll quip and like maybe yeah, yeah, if you like get a 15 minutes Baker worth of good Golden stuff from me, like a yeah, yeah. This movie is fucking terrible. Yeah, Can I just, it's it's not I good. Guess. It's it yeah. doesn't. I like I I. I was looking forward to this because I like DMX as a rapper. I also have seen him in interviews and stuff and know that he could be a very compelling, interesting person to watch. And I like Jet Li. And I'm like, you know, that's this is like, you know, the sort of East meets West rush hour thing, like sure. maybe, but with a little more grit to it. And the the I'd never seen it before. So I look at the poster and I'm like, yeah, maybe this could be good. But it's not. I, I kind of had fun with the opening heist. I love a heist. It's, it was it, interesting. It's, yeah, that's kind of that's an okay one. They do the thing like, like the rocket the, that rips the thing yeah. off is pretty cool. But that's like the height of the movie. Like, and then it's right. weird it that never, it's like it never it never gets back to that point. Yeah, it's weird also that it's like pitched as a Jet Li DMX team movie because like they will hang out for four minutes and then be like, now we've got to go do two completely different things. Right. They're yeah. not the team. He, Jet Li is like with Tom Arnold more than he's with DMX, and like. Nothing that they do seems to make any sense. They just keep kind of ricocheting back and forth. And um I hated it. It was it was kind of annoying to watch. Well, it's a movie, it's a movie in search of a plot, right? It's yeah. one of these things where you kind of go like, yeah, they they who knows how this stuff gets about. Let me just correct myself. This movie came out in 2003, not 2002, so apologies for that. And just as a quick Bartowiak filmography, this is the I love this. Romeo must die in 2000, Exit Wounds in 01, Cradle to the Grave in 03, Doom wow. in 05, and then Street Fighter the Legend of Chun-Li in 09. So that is a run well, which for is the, the ages. which is the masterpiece really because it gave us that amazing Yeah, which Chris, we should Chris Klein to. performance. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. I Bye. I um I I saw that movie on accident um with my girlfriend when I was with her at her parents like beach timeshare thing. Classic and we were all like, you know, it was tired and we were maybe going to go to the beach again. But we were also just like, maybe we'll just hang out in the nice, cool air conditioned room. We were flipping around. I don't know why we stopped on Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li. <laughs> but I was like, OK, this this Klein performance is giving me life right now. And I would end phone calls with her by screaming, Nash out. <laughs> Nash out. Beware of bombs. Char Charlie Nash. Charlie Nash. Um, this guy walks between the raindrops. <laughs> but so... 
I mean, yeah, Cradle to the Grave. I think Gabby Union's given a good performance here. Um, obviously, she's kind of got that inherent charm that works. Oh yeah, D- yeah. DMX is limited. Obviously, it's it's. We were talking about this. It's funny to watch a movie where DMX is the star and there are DMX song needle drops. It just feels weird because it's like you're watching him act and then he's rapping. It's very like it's like yeah. non diegetic rapping by the guy who you're seeing on screen. That was the time, I suppose. DMX, I do think, ultimately gave a good performance in a movie called Never Die Alone a couple years later, which is directed by Ernest Dickerson, who we talked about Ernest Dickerson's movie Bulletproof on the Adam Sandler episode. That's like he's like a drug dealer kind of coming to terms with things in that movie. That the movie I like. So I would say, you know, he's got a nice cameo also in Top 5, which is the Chris he's Rock very, movie. So very funny in that movie, yeah. He does have the chops when he wants them, but I do feel like in this movie, it's one of those things where it's like they uh, they were obviously hoping it would become, I don't know, I whatever. You think of Will Smith, I suppose. It's just one of these things where you just kind of go like, they're, they're putting a lot on DMX's shoulders in a way where you're like, this guy can't. But it's not even this whole thing, it, you know, it's like, <clears throat> I just think that one of the things that's weird about like, you know, you say like Will Smith, like he is an all around great performer who can do almost anything. Right. But you can be a super limited performer and still have a very good career. And yeah. I think that like, in a way, like Ryan Gosling is almost like that. Like, I don't think he can do everything. He's not, he doesn't have the range of Leonardo DiCaprio, but if you are a director or a writer who knows how to tailor your story to their strengths, you can make it work. And I just don't think that anyone in this movie on any level gave enough thought to who is going to be in what roles to make it work. Cause DMX can be an intimidating presence. I mean, many of his rap songs are about that and they're right. great. <laughs> and he, like I said, is, is an inherently charismatic person and when he is with his daughter, like there, I was like, oh, like there's a real like warmth and paternal nature here. So like it would be interesting for him to be crazy live wire who's trying to get his daughter back. And Jet Li is perhaps the cooler headed person who's doing something. But like they just it's like they wrote the script. They did like the 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 reads and everything. And, and someone said like, hey, maybe we should alter this a bit to really lean into what these guys have. And they said no, we've got 45 days to shoot this thing. We're not stopping. We're just, we're, they're just going to have to deal with it. It also even, it, it begs the question, like whether or not they even got it done in that amount of time, because there is a whole, I, I like made a note of this when I was watching it right before the third at the climax of the movie, they are in a car going to basically, you know, finish things right. And get DMX's yeah. daughter back. And the whole bit of dialogue that tees all of that up is just over shots, oh, like it's all aer- ADR. aerial shots of them driving with ADR. And so you could just yeah. tell that they were like, we just we have to get to the scene somehow. How the fuck are we going to do it? We were like, oh, well, let's have them already driving there and we'll just uh, DMX will come in and just say some stuff to tee it up. And it's just like it's maybe one of the most blatant like versions of that that i've seen in a movie at least in recent memory like i was just like whoa like whoa yeah you're like well there was clearly some holes that had to get paper yeah, over, and this was yeah. the way to do it yeah like there's not even like an insert shot of them talking in the car right but right. also no, again it is, it's, it's all like aerial shots and wide well shots. and also and also just to bring it back to jet lee i think one of the sins of this movie and also i mean look it's also the same could be said for war as well 
there's not enough there's not enough martial arts right it's like he's in the movie kind of mostly talking on the phone and then like and i look like you said ryan it's probably out of deference to dmx's abilities right where you have basically a foot chase scene that's okay and then a couple of moments you know at the end with the villain a little bit you have your ultra violence which is very common in his movies that's also kind of a difference we should say between jet lee and jackie chan is like it's cartoon oh, violence, right? It's it's mostly cartoon violence in Jackie Chan movies, which you know lends itself to the lighter, you know, you know, obviously the lighter tone in general. Whereas, like, if you watch Black Mask or like some oh, of these God. movies, like Black Holy Ma- Mother, Black of, Mask is brutal. <laughs> I mean, it is it is to a level that's like obviously. I mean, look, yeah. it's a choice, it's a style, it's fine, but it's like you would have to be like I, you know, Rush Hour is very kind of whatever, you know, the gunplay aside, it's, you know, there's not a lot. It's PG-13. Well, yeah, Chris Tucker gets hit in the face and says, then he does like the crossed arm things. He's like, which one of y'all hit me? Yeah, very funny. Whereas in a Jet Li movie, his nose would break and there'd be blood gushing everywhere. Yeah. Can we just, I just have to say this. In 1998, the linchpin of the selling of Rush Hour was was Chris Tucker looking at Jackie Chan and saying, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? And people were just like, this thing is a fucking comedy hit. And then like, when you watch it now, you go like, whoa, if you even rolled on that and like, didn't just delete it from the hard drive, I feel like people would be like, oh no, no, you can't put (laughs) that in the movie. What's interesting to me is that I, I think that the reason that line works is that it is, it's that it's the classic comedy thing of like, who is the butt of the joke? And the joke isn't, that oh, Jackie this guy Chan doesn't is, understand right. English. It's that it's Chris, Chris Tucker's Tucker. an obnoxious yeah, right. dick. No, you're and right. And so you're, right. you're laughing at him being the type of person who would say that rather than like Jackie Chan. Now, the fact that it is Jackie Chan and we know his competencies maybe helps that. But I think that's like the alchemy of a moment like that. Because yeah. like... That I, is one of know, the best parts of that movie is like he doesn't speak English for like the first 40 minutes. And then it's like the reveal he busts is like, it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because funny. again, you know, he I think he even in that movie says like sometimes the best way to like learn about people is to say nothing and let them do all the talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, no, it. but that is that's one of those things. It's almost like a, a great uh, way to bring it back to like uh, Cradle to the Grave is that you have to understand the powers of your performers and you have to be able to mix and chop and, and make everything work. And so you have something like rush hour and they obviously see, you know, Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. And they're like, there is so much here because one of these men is so self-possessed and awesome. And the other one is nuts. I mean, the, the whole opening of the movie is him. I think of the opening of the trailer too is like him shooting the C4 in the back of a guy's truck. Yeah. And yeah. then the, and doing the, the Michael Jackson dance. Right. Right. Yeah. Right, and yeah, then yeah, the yeah. guy's like, you know, you, you, you blew up half a city block. It's like, it was a bad block. It's like, you lost a lot of evidence. There's still a little bit left. Yeah. Like, and so, but the, but cradles of the grave has none of that. Like there's never no. a moment where they're like, Oh, like, you know, one of us is uh, a thief who always tries to avoid violence. And one of us is a police officer who is very capable of violence. You know, like you on a script level, you'd start with little things like that. And and as we said, like, there should be a point where it's like, you know, I was raised on the streets. I'm a brawler. And it's like, oh, I went to a high tech military academy. Right, I'm right. like a surgical strike kind of guy. How do we make these two things work together? 
And, well, uh, it does. It does the yeah, thing. It does, <laughs> it does the thing at the end. I love movies like this. At the end, where they like, they like embrace, and it's like, yeah, we've been through a lot. And it's like, have you? Do you and, know they, each other? And again, the, they barely spend any time yeah, together. Yeah. It's like, do you end, guys know each other's names? Like, what's up? At the end of the movie, right? Like, DMX is. I mean, rightly so. He's like, I guess I'm gonna fucking have to go back to jail. And it's like, yeah, dude, of course. But like. Jet Li is like, I'll see what I can do. And so the movie uses like, that as a way to do like, anything. You know, right. yeah, I'm like, like you're, what you're, can you do? You're, you're a Chinese from... intelligence officer. Like, you're like, like a Chinese the... CIA or something. It's What's like, crazy, though, is that given the stakes that the movie eventually goes to, because for a while you're just like, oh, this guy just wants his money back. And then you find out oh, right. that the it's... thing they're trying to steal is a type of synthetic uranium where a shard the size of a toenail clipping uh, what is like when they're when they're registering it in that green laser machine? It's like, you know, uh, stage one like a head grenade, stage two yeah. like a Scud missile. Uh, you know, there's one city block on, and then he's like one Hiroshima, two, two Hiroshima. Hiroshima. And I'm like, this yeah. is the worst version of one Mississippi ever. Well, and then he just says full like total no, what was no, it? New, New World, World Order. Order. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, that's the stakes now. Is well, that the I, five and, biggest arms dealers on the earth are here to steal these and black me, diamonds? And let me say this. This has the Fallen Kingdom problem, which is they're bidding for these things. And it's like $250,000. And it's the same problem with Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom where it's like, hey, we made dinosaurs starting at $5 million. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. Wouldn't you start? at like 75 million like right, the, yes. what is the market here where it's like hey so we have this nuclear black diamond let's start the bidding at 200,000 it's like if i if but like would, somebody i know could potentially <laughs> bid on 200,000 it's like no 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 like start at a right. million if i or can something. take out a second mortgage and afford it you're go you're starting yeah, you too gotta low go higher yeah exactly i am um, that was kind of my thing is also like She's like, this is a this is a a bid to see if we can come up with a market price, and I was like, what? And then she's like, the first is like five of them for like two hundred fifty thousand. I was like, right. And then it totally that seems changes. really low. Right. And then yeah. they're screaming at each other. It's like, I'll pay a million for three, and then someone else is like, I'll pay seven hundred and fifty thousand for two, and I'm like, I can't do the math fast enough to figure out if he is somehow right, paying bidding. more he's like, yeah. like you, you almost feel bad for the villain because he might be getting ripped off like yeah you need you need howard ratner to come in yeah. is that his name from uncut gems you need yeah him to come yeah in. now so let me ask a question transitioning um did we did you like war more than cradle to the grave friends what, what I, do we think i did yes i did yeah i think it's see i like, yeah. okay this is funny we'll just talk about because i definitely like cradle to the grave more than war but anyway i'll let one of connor why don't you tell us about war because this is a movie we might yeah, okay, have to so, tell you about war because yeah this is it, gonna be i think I might, this is a lot of plot the next yeah, hour of this episode will be devoted to war to, yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. first two had no plot and this one has more plot than you could even like yeah. comprehend this one like, so okay, much th plot. this movie has more plot than our next movie which is the forbidden kingdom which is like a full-on fantasy and that movie has less plot than this one does like oh yeah that movie is basically like it's simple pretty, pretty simple no, yeah, this is yeah, fucking yeah. insane so okay so jet lee uh well actually no i'm gonna i gotta rack it back okay jason statham right he is uh a guy named jack jack crawford right is his name i believe that is correct yeah sir. and mm -hmm. uh so he plays jack crawford he is a cia do they ever say 
is I thought he's FBI, FBI. isn't he? He's F- FBI. God, FBI. Thank you, yeah. thank you. Uh, yeah, so he's this a- is not going well so far. But you know what? We're we're going. <laughs> Clearly, we're going I should have done it. this since I just finished watching it like an hour Look, ago. Get, right, right. You know it. what? Take it, man. Go. Take it. Oh, Brian. damn it. Um, so okay. So <laughs> open on Jason Statham and his his uh, partner, um, who's played by John Lone, on the docks. Right, they're two FBI agents. They're here at a crime scene. They're having a conversation about smoking. And then they go and they look around and they find a titanium bullet casing that fires a depleted uranium slug. And Jason says, is like, he's here. <laughs> there's apparently a former CIA black, like wet ops agent named Rogue because he went rogue and he constantly has his face changed with plastic surgery and he's the world's greatest assassin. They think they kill him. Um, they didn't. Rogue comes, fucking murders John Lone, uh, who plays the character of Chang. And um, do I have that right? Is that the right person? Yeah. Am I yeah. looking at that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, and his family, Bop Pop, wife dead, daughter dead, John Lone dead, burns the house to the ground. Jason Statham's like, oh my God, I found the titanium shell. I know what happened here. I'm going to get my revenge. Cut to three years later. <laughs> Jason Statham is still on the warpath. Rogue has come back. He is working as an enforcer for the Chinese mob or maybe the Yakuza. Maybe he's playing them against each other. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going back and forth. There's murders. There's killing. Jason Statham does a lot of glowering and hating on local police departments. And basically it's like, we don't know what Rogue is up to, played by Jet Li. We do know that Jason Statham wants to take him down for murdering his best friend. And uh, will these two end up clashing? Uh, will we ever figure out what the fuck is going on with those horses? <laughs> Where, like, there's just so much that's going on. But what it boils down to is oh, yeah, Jason Statham trying to kill the man who he believes killed his partner. And we are full spoilers on this movie, right? Because we're yeah, just yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So if you haven't seen it, just you know, I mean, just you know, come back. Didn't even didn't even bring up the Devin Aoki's in this um, as the daughter of the the Yakuza leader. Oh, and sorry, Brian, real quick, the partner's name is Tom Lone. This is actually confusing. So the partner's name is. Tom. Lone, oh, that's Terry played, Chen, played by who Terry plays Chen. Tom Lone. Yes, and John Chen, Lone plays Chang, Chang, who is different yeah that is right. uh more complicated than the plot of this movie yes yes indeed uh so my apologies to those actors uh john lone names are too close <laughs> the john lone who is great in the movie the shadow from 1994 oh, wow. yeah just saying. um is that the one with the alec baldwin okay right yeah. no the phantom is the one with billy, billy zane, zane. yes yeah. okay the phantom <laughs> is the masterpiece and the shadow is just the pretty cool movie that came out in 94 yes yep um so anyway so so the craziest part about this movie is that uh everything is always happening all at once it is (laughs) it is very hard to tell what is going on um and then finally we kind of get to the end and we find out that jason statham actually was the mole that ended up getting his partner tom murdered or did he because he didn't because all through the movie we've heard about how Rogue gets his face changed, 
And I was like, right, they're not going to make a movie where Jet Li is a child murderer. Like, you know, like that yeah. just doesn't. I know that he has a darker edge, but like there's no way that he's actually the bad guy in a movie. And what happens is it turns out that uh, Tom actually was able to find the strength to defeat Rogue, fucking blow his head off with a shotgun, immolate his corpse in the house. And then Tom assumes his identity, goes to a plastic surgeon, gets his face changed and then works for the yakuza as a double agent with the chinese mob yeah it's and like the ultimate revenge he, he hits kills them against each other involved. Yeah, yeah and then he finally does enough mayhem and and consolidates power enough to the yakuza that the yakuza boss is like i'm gonna meet you now and we're like and then he's like uh actually i'm tom and you murdered my family and i'm gonna kill you and he does. And then before he does, the guy's like, yeah, your boy Jason Statham turned you in. And then he goes and kills him. Now, the plot is bizarre. I think that it, the reason that I like it more than uh, Cradle of the Grave is the action is better. Yes. And yeah. it's, it's not chopped up. It does Jet Li's work a lot more service. I also there's just something that I like. I, so I was watching this at the distillery while, you know, the still was running and, and my, my friend Arthur was sitting near me and could hear everything that was going on. And I started uh, telling him what the hell was happening. And any time where you can say, oh, my God, there's an army of ninjas now, <laughs> a movie is good. And then I when when the twist happened, I rewound the, the Amazon Prime video so that I could show him. I was like. That's the guy that was Jason Statham's partner we thought was dead, but he's not. He's Jed Lee <laughs> And there's just a certain level of absurdity to that that I kind yeah, of love. The ending, the ending does serve the whole thing well, right? Like right. You, you get to it and you go like, okay, well, you know what? Like, all right. Like, if you're going to go this way, the exploitation element of it. I guess my thing with this movie, though, is... It w this movie is also incredibly violent, violent. And I kind of yeah. like, so black mask isn't one of our movies, but I watched it kind of in preparation. It's a superhero movie, you know, the character black mask and gently plays him. And it's kind of, it reminded me a lot of dark man and it's mm. similar where it's like ultra violent, but it's very silly and it is fun. And the action is great. And like the final 20 minutes are amazing. Yeah. I thought. Yeah. And, um, I just wish a movie like war, had a little bit more of that because it's so gruesome and so grim, but then it has this like totally silly ending. You kind of go, I wish it. Cause like we know Jason Statham can do that. Like stuff like the mechanic resurrection, right? Stuff like, you know, even these more recent fast and furious movies, he's doing that. Like he, he is a good actor, right? Like this idea, like even the Meg, which obviously is limited to some degree, he is having fun in, in fits and spells in those movies. Like, and it just bums me out that in war, it's like so fucking like brutal. And you just go like, I wish they had kind of matched the tone to match the twist. Because then by the end, you're like, oh, well, that was fun. But like, it doesn't really, you know, like all yeah. this stuff. It's so convoluted. And it's the, so grim. I, there's, there was still no, enough no. that happened in this movie that like, you know, I was I was having fun with it. Like when the dog yeah. has a bomb on its collar. Yeah, but the dog blows up. I hate when they kill the dog. <laughs> yeah, I guess I hate I, when I they guess. kill the dog too. That seemed rather cruel to the <laughs> dog. But at the same time, <sighs> yeah. I was like, well, that there was a moment where I said, 
Oh, maybe Jet Li is really uh, the bad guy and killed those kids because he definitely just Blew murdered a fucking that dog. dog. Yeah, that Let was that was one thing yeah. I mentioned. I I think to you, Dan, as like as I was watching this, and I don't know if you had gotten to it yet, but I was watching no, this no, yeah, and I no. chatted Dan, and I was like, he is like mean in this movie, and like kind <laughs> of kind of in a way that I did appreciate. Like I watched all these in in chronological order, well, yeah. and so like I did kind of enjoy like him going, kind of almost. It felt like well, pro- fulfilling on the promise of something like Lethal Weapon for with right. a more seasoned career under his belt a little bit, you know, like so I, so getting to think- be like a full on villain and kind of have fun with it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I do think, like you were saying, Brian, earlier, like, there is a kindness in his eyes that works well, but he's he, he's at his best where there's there's a there's a mesh of intensity and kindness, and there's this ambig- ambiguity, right? So, like, Forbidden Kingdom, which we'll talk about in a minute, there's a lot of that, obviously. War, it's kind of more black or white in terms, you know what I mean? It's like he's a villain. But then, like, in Fearless and in Hero and in Once Upon a Time in China, right, like... Less, I guess, in Once Upon a Time in China, but like in especially in Fearless and Hero, that ambiguity is the whole thing with those movies, right? Because in Hero, it's like a Rashomon type of a movie, right? Where like he's basically getting interrogated and you're hearing these different versions of a story, right? And because of Jet Li and his presence, it keeps you guessing because you're like, I don't know what like what to believe, right? And then when the ending happens, you're like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like I could see it going that way, but you could have seen it going any of the other ways right and that's how it works Mm -hmm. right and i think that speaks to you know one thing with ward i i kind of i like seeing him play the crazy villain but then it like does a total reverse and it's like well actually he was just getting revenge and it's like yeah but he still killed a freaking dog right right it reminds me the last thing he wanted (laughs) is this movie on netflix that got brutalized at sundance like the d Rees movie with anne hathaway oh the joan didion one yeah the joan didion yeah i didn't hate it as much as everybody at sundance i watched it on netflix after so that's probably you know it's like the film festival thing and i watched it after anyway there is a part halfway through the movie though where these drug dealers blow up a dog and i i literally i will say like i was like well nope fuck this movie i was like <laughs> i hate to be i hate to be so predict- predictable right it's like the what just happened thing if you guys see that movie but it's like yeah. the minute you blow up a dog i'm like oh man you're gonna have to crawl your way back at this point i you there's really a, really put your fucking chips in the middle there like that there's so a reason that one of the moments that i cried at the hardest in the leftovers involved a dog and that's because the dog is like the the barometer of all humanity yeah i would say that's true yeah so like you know the the last episode of the first season of leftovers is like a harrowing ordeal and like one of the final shots is a dog returning to the people who had cared for it and i was just like oh no i'm never gonna (laughs) stop crying now (laughs) me and me and my me and my wife kelly we put on the movie hachi the lasa halster movie hachi oh yeah on a plane and we were weeping on this packed plane. I don't know what people thought we were doing. We, we were like, it was like, we could have either found out a family member had right, died. Right. You were like, like on email, to a or we were like watching this, like Richard Gere and this dog at the end. You're just like, oh my God, he just waited for his owner for years. Like, it's just this, anyway, if you watch Hachi, it's a pretty good movie, but you will cry for a year. Um. Anyway. Okay. That's war. 
Are we done with war? Do we feel I, like we've we've warded out? What I, do we so think? what's weird is that like this is another movie where like it's very much pitched as like Lee and Statham, but like it nothing like they're not really they have, like, they're, they two don't share scenes together. Of, yeah, they don't, they don't share, and even I I will even say I feel like once they finally do get together that fight is like okay you know it's like not it's not great. even yeah not great it's it's, it's not like it's whatever it's just like uh, yeah I don't they're know. swinging like a, a shovel and an axe at one another it's um, right right it is pretty whatever like the the it's again the poster like they're staring at each other and it's like they meet once and then they sort of never meet again until the very end right and it's just weird that it the that you'd have a movie that's like that that's pitched like this and i sometimes wonder if it's like we learned about how um with Hobbs and Shaw like how they had contractual limits as to the number of times they could be hit. yeah and right. I think about that now when I watch movies like this like maybe we just didn't know but like maybe the reason they're not together more is because like the and contractual obligations of being a badass <laughs> yeah. would be very difficult yeah. for them to, I... to reach there is one moment uh near the end of the movie and, and this is the last I'll say about it um but <laughs> where once it is revealed once jason statham figures out what's going on and he looks into his eyes right he looks at a jetly's eyes and he realizes who it is and like he then says but you sound nothing like him and then he's like <laughs> and it, but and the movie is basically like jetly and the movie are both like yeah that doesn't matter I don't even sound like him look at my eyes Joe. One thing the surgeons could never change, and like you're kind of like, you yeah, know, but you don't sound anything. And it's like, it's only been three years, so like, right? It there that is right. not and, enough and time, his, I feel like, for someone to full on just sound like another human. I mean, maybe I don't know. Like, you know, you could say, like, oh, like he had his vocal cords scraped or some nonsense right, right, like right. that, but also, like, his grasp of the English language seems to have legitimately deteriorated. Like, you know, it's well, not like, right, you it's know, not but you're speaking with accent. a Boston accent yeah. now and it's yeah. like, yeah, well, you know, I have to cover my track somehow. It's like, but you're speaking like English is not your first language. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's but it's just so funny because it's like that happens and then they literally like it. They just continue fighting like it's like it's so what's it's so bizarre. What's interesting to me, though, is that this movie, it, it I, I had trouble with this movie only on like very basic script levels one of my main complaints about avatar uh, is, is that as i was watching it i was like this movie is 100 moving in the direction that we are going to learn that quaritch murdered jake sully's twin because he was a, a shitty environmentalist scientist and he believed quaritch believed that like sully as a former marine would be easier to manipulate or like be more on his side and sure. it never happened, and it still annoys me to this day. And this movie, <laughs> uh, I bro, was like, Avatar two, bro. <laughs> we'll learn about it in two or three or four or five. They're Can't gonna wait. retcon. That's what it's here for. Can't but wait, like, baby. This movie, I was like, they they set up so much during the first two scenes that I was like, how is he gonna prove to Jason Statham that he is who he is? And I was like, he could talk about the smoking, like the you know either the oral yeah. fixation thing. Or, you know, I asked you not to smoke in front of my daughter or they had a bet on a game and he said, like, you know, don't forget the stakes. And Jason Statham's like, I'm not going to forget the stakes, mate. <laughs> I'm an FBI agent working for the U.S. government because I was born in Queens 
Um, <laughs> so, and I was like, oh, so like we we have buried in the script little things that will be cute reminders of the friendship that they once had. And instead, he's just like, look into my eyes. Like, oh, shit, yeah. it is you. Like, what the? Sh- are you kidding me? Yeah. What yeah, did yeah. we do all that groundwork for? And it's stupid script stuff like that. Where I'm like, if you're not trying to be Margaret, you know, if you're not trying to accurately reflect some like basic fundamental psychological truths of the human condition, why not lean into some of those script writing cliches yeah, just to I mean, like Cameron? Yeah, this is Cameron, that, that's Cameron my is point. A, yeah, I wish yeah. there's more of that. Yeah. Cameron is a good comparison to that too. Somebody like you know, like you have the ring and the abyss and like things like that. Yeah. Like just yeah, because I mean, because that stuff. Look, I mean, from a writing standpoint. You could maybe dis- you could obviously dismiss it as lowbrow or whatever, but it is also fun depending on what you know you're you're the, how you're employing it, right? And well, so and yeah, look, th- that yeah. type of stuff is totally squandered here. Well, and I was gonna say, I mean, look, bringing it back to because of the dragon, the guy who wrote it, obviously Luc Besson's credited, but Robert Mark came in, who is like a perfect example of that type of Hollywood screenwriter. I mean, if you look mm-hmm. at his credits, he's done everything. He obviously knows those beats, and it works in that movie really well like you know that's the type of person you want writing this type of movie and i just feel like this time around and you know i'll tell i mean who wrote this movie it was lee anthony smith and gregory j bradley i don't know i mean i can't speak to their other output but it's like yeah they just kind of maybe it was on the page and they just cut around it what have you fun one fun fact about war it was titled rogue and they had to change it to avoid conflict with the crocodile movie, the crocodile the movie. Same <laughs> we all remember rogue starring michael vartan and sam worthington the, i uh, mean unfortunately i i 100 do because the second you said that i was like oh right there was that killer that crocodile movie, movie. Uh, well, that, that was the movie that they they pitched as being like he's the world's most prolific serial killer and he's a crocodile. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, two things I wanted to mention that I just had kind of looked up. So Jet Li, when Kiss the Jacket came out, he ended up attacking the China film censors because they banned the movie because his character killed people abroad. Uh, so Lee kind of fought against the censors in that type of movie, uh, which is interesting. Um, Jet Li and his family were in the Maldives in 2004 when the – was it the crazy – tsunami happened Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he hurt his foot and his little baby almost got taken away in an interview talked about his baby got like literally taken by the water and got they miraculously saved the baby and um yeah in 04 and uh miraculously got out of it so that was kind of this crazy his hotel got flooded the whole family take the vacation in maldives so the morning the water come you know the bad time is water is here i holding my daughter Good the younger Lord. one, you know, only one years old, took by the water, you know, somebody saved her. And very dangerous. I think God, if you tell me gone, just gone. Yeah. So since then, I, I saw, the, you know, my wife like a reborn. So that's a fun, not fun fact, but a fact. Uh, that is itself. indeed a fact. And, I, um, um, and then the last thing is he was initially going to be in the movie Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And was ultimately replaced uh, when he could not do it with Chow Yun Fat. Oh, interesting. That's a yeah. very different movie if Jet Li is. Yeah. Because Chow Yun Fat in that movie is like, I am an old, you know, Wuxu master and I am done with my life of adventures and I am in love and I am coming back here. It is a and little bit. I feel more, like Jet Li's. It is in step with like uh, Once Upon a Time in China a little bit. Were, were he to 
have taken that role. Once upon a time in China is exactly. I mean, that was the that was the springboard for exactly what gets you to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. You know what I mean? Like the kind of you know people credit Once Upon a Time in China for being the movie that led to ten years later the amazing international hit that was Crouching Tiger. So it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, if it had been Jet Li, it would have been a cool kind of you know A to B element of you know the guy who was in that movie, but. We got, hey, we got Bulletproof Monk out of it. So it's like. <laughs> is I mean, that the one you, with Sean William Scott? And Chai Young Fat. Yep. Yeah. 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 We all, okay. I mean, dude. Which monster bullet, hit. Bulletproof Monk, I feel like uh, it vibes similarly to our next movie. Um, the Forbidden Kingdom, which yes, is, indeed. hey, let's take this uh, icon of Asian cinema and let's uh, let's just focus on the on the white guy. Okay, well, wait, so, so written by written by John Fusco, right? So written by a white guy, directed by Rob Minkoff, right? It's just weird. It's just the whole thing is weird. Yeah. So this is another thing, it, you know, that whole like a a little like a white kid goes and does this thing. Th- this movie, for whatever reason, it kept making me think of the movie Warriors of Virtue. Oh my god, I'm so glad you brought that up. I, I okay, <laughs> yeah, I was so, googling so that movie that's hard when thing. I was watching this. <laughs> And that movie directed by Ronnie Yu. Yeah. There you go. But anyway, Connor, continue with The Forbidden Kingdom. Basically, Michael Angarano, um, who you'd know from, you know, a few different things. He's great on The Nick. I, I'll, I'll always uh, take any chance I can to sing the praises of the show The Nick. If you have Sky High. Good movie. Uh, Sky yeah, High. Sky High. Very fun. <laughs> um, but uh, he plays essentially this like young kung fu obsessed white kid in boston is that where they oh are? yeah yeah baby. all boston. right because he makes reference to like fenway and stuff right um so he smartly uh, decides not to do an accent i would, I would yes argue. yeah totally yeah yeah I'm, I'm i'm not even gonna do i was about to like jump into it i'm, I'm not gonna do it um but basically he uh finds himself caught up with uh you know some ruffians who uh who use him to try and knock over a like a sort of a pawn shop of sorts that's owned by a an elderly man played by Jackie Chan and uh and basically in that shop they he grabs this staff that's there and it transports him to uh the titular forbidden kingdom and essentially this is all teed up by uh, the store, the backstory of uh, the Monkey King, which I believe in, in what I could find, it's like essentially an amalgamation of like a, a handful of actual uh, Chinese fables. Um, it's yeah, like it's a, like a hodgepodge. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's but the Monkey King is a pretty commonly refer- referenced uh, one, from what I understand. Uh, so basically, the Monkey King was this uh, this warrior. <laughs> who was essentially granted immortality um, and was challenged by another uh, immortal named the Jade Warlord, who's uh, he's played by uh, Colin Cho. And uh, he essentially tricks the Monkey King, removes his staff from him, and the Monkey King gets frozen in stone, essentially. And one of two uh, movies where Jack or where Jet Li gets frozen in stone, which is interesting. Yeah, the mummy, uh, the Tomb mummy of the is, Emperor, is teed of up uh, very similarly. But um, I was going to say Unleashed. And, and, and two movies that came out, Connor, in 2008. 
Oh, so he was all about just getting turned to stone. That was a stone year yeah. for Jet Li. Um, <laughs> but um, but basically, uh, the it it tees up this then quest that needs to be embarked upon by Michael Angarano to return the staff to the Monkey King to prevent uh, or or sort of uh, end the reign of this Jade Warlord. And in his travels, he comes across a uh, a pretty fun Jackie Chan, I think, uh, who is uh, Lu Yang. I mean, he's 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 literally doing Drunken Master. They yeah, no, no, no. It's, they're it. basically yeah. like, hey, just like play play that, right? And yeah. uh, so he basically plays this like wanderer, this like wandering fighter, uh, essentially who. Uh, who's like drunk all the time and you've you realize that it's because he needs wine to keep himself immortal he's one of a select few people who has been granted this uh, immortality so he decides to help uh michael angarano on his quest to uh to free the monkey king they're joined by uh lou yifei who is uh who's gonna be in the uh, indefinitely postponed mulan also with jet Li. Um, she plays Golden Sparrow, who essentially is she's kind of saddled with sort of a kind of a trite thing of Jade Wardlord killed her parents. And so she's just trying to get revenge. Um, and uh, also along their travels, they come across this uh, this silent monk played by Jet Li. And he's it, it, there's it's sort of a, you know, like a a standard issue fable where you have this cast of characters that's slowly joining this journey. And that's basically it. Yeah. It becomes a pretty standard adventure tale. Where yeah. you be, and then look, I mean, the whole thing with this movie is in the middle. When you meet Jet Li, there is a fight, like basically a seven minute fight between Jet Li and Jackie Chan that the whole movie was sold on. It was kind of the meeting of the two masters, right? Probably 10 years too late, all this. And I will say for, this is a pretty, I mean, whatever, this is a pretty C plus movie. You know, it's a basically a family film. I didn't, I didn't hate it. I was kind that, of indifferent right, towards C plus, it. Right. Yeah. Just, it's just fine. You know, it's, yeah. it's digestible. The fight is good. I mean, I wish yeah. the fight was better, but when you consider their ages, like you said, if, you know, if this fight happens in a kind of more, I don't know, kind of a, a more legitimate Wusha movie in 2000. It's probably a little bit more intense, a little bit more well choreographed. But for what it's worth, for what the expectations were, I feel like it's a pretty nice fight in the middle. I mean, I definitely kind of rewound it, watched it again. I was like, oh, this is nice. Like yeah. two amazing dancers, you know, playing off each other. You have the intensity of Jet Li matched with the goofy, funny comedy acting of Jackie Chan and this really fun moment i mean i i think you know i don't want to oversell each, it but it's a nice essentially it's a nice each, bit, yeah. each settling into versions of the characters that made them famous right like yeah you know like, yeah i would say it leans way more chan mm. in general in this movie i mean this is certainly kind of more drunken master it, you know what i mean adjacent than it is like you know something like fearless or you know it's it's obviously less wushu right than and you I, know than I would also love to arts. know what the legality was behind the brilliant double billing in this movie oh on the poster uh, on the poster Absolutely and love and it. in the movie Oh, ja yeah, Jackie the... Chan's name reads horizontally, and then from the same J, Jet Li's name reads vertically. And yeah. I just I couldn't get that out of my head. I was just like, oh, there must have been so many discussions about that. Like, I just there's a part of me that's like, 
you know, you see something like that and usually it's like because the first letter is so important, you know, but it's like, yeah. I don't think we culturally signify either of those men with the letter J. Right. <laughs> like right, it's right. just kind of fun that they have it. Yeah. And it's and it's more it's and it, I, I don't know. It's just from this thing of like I you just from from what I could gather in my you know peek behind the scenes at the movie, they both obviously got along very well, had a lot of respect for each other. Like right, uh, and even yeah. I mean it, it reads that they have a good rapport in the movie. It feels like it it feels like they you know they have a de- decent amount of chemistry, and it feels like they like each other, which is uh, helpful. But. It is just fun. So, like, I don't know if there was anything antagonistic about this billing in particular, but I just it, there's a part of me in the back of my brain that can't help but think there were like a couple I mean, of people sitting in a room being both, like, "How yeah. do we do this?" They both seem like such humble. I yes. Don't know, like, yeah. You know, well, they, they both all, seem like yeah, they're really. Uh, I don't want to say down to earth, but like they 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 don't really seem to have like a lot of ego. Like you know, we're talking sure. about like Statham and the Rock again. But also, like, they never really seemed to be stepping on each other's careers. You know, like we like we no, said yeah. here, like, you don't see a, a Jackie Chan movie and go, nah, I don't know. I prefer Jet Li. You know, it's not right. like it's so different. It's, yeah. it's they're so different that I don't think Jackie Chan was ever like, damn, you know, that movie where the guy is actually the guy who we thought that guy killed and he cuts a man's head off. I didn't get that movie. Right. Like the, the equivalent well, yeah, would be like getting right. like a getting like a yeah i mean it never happened but getting like a tom cruise nicholas cage movie in the mid 90s right yeah. like something like that where you would have been like we had to settle f- for for cruise and travolta or cage and travolta right exactly <laughs> yeah like this isn't this isn't like harrison ford and kevin costner where it's like they literally would turn down roles and recommend the other person you know what i'm saying like yeah. they were so similar in their styles and their level of stardom you know that like kevin costner turned down air force one and recommended her you know what i mean like that was stuff yeah. that happened right and i think but yeah i think one thing that's funny to this point that we're talking about and i mean this perfect moment to talk about it because we're talking about the forbidden kingdom i certainly went into this movie knowing i like jet lee in the limited way that i'd seen his movies i also really liked unleashed i knew i really liked kiss of the dragon right limited though right and i do think i go you go into it as an ignorant westerner being like oh yeah jackie chan jet lee like you like make that connection but then when you watch you know jet lee's movies and then you know maybe you think like oh how did it take so long for the forbidden kingdom to bring them together well of course it took that long because they were making so different movies right like yeah they're not even close to the same i mean you know right jet lee is an r-rated action hero right and jackie chan is uh, and i don't mean this in any kind of like a dismissive way but he's like a physical comedian yeah no and it's and it's It's, it's, only by the ignorance and the oversimplification of Western culture with Eastern imports do you do this thing of like, oh, Jackie Chan or Jet Li. It's literally only right. because oh, like, they both do karate. And please, right. dear God, people at home, I said that sarcastically. Jokingly, yeah. No, but this is my point. It's like, it's like, right, exactly. It's like when you dig into it, right, it's like not even close, right? And there's a yeah. million other actors, right? who are bigger in China, not bigger than them in China, but like who are bigger in China that would be in between them. Right. In terms of just like, just point being it's a product of the environment of, of, of this, right. Where it's like, they're the two along with Chow Young Fat to some degree who 
became these big international stars, including in the USA. So like you have this kind of false equivalency happening. Um, you know, so all that to say that the fact that we even got them in a movie together is nice. You know what I mean? Even if it yeah. was directed by the guy who did Lion King, you know what I mean? And, you know, the a limited fantasy adventure script, <laughs> they, you still get that fight. And that's nice. I mean, that was, you know, it's nice that it even happened. I mean, the other people in this movie, you know, Michael Angarano, I, you, I don't know. You could give take him or leave him. You know, it's very like he's in it just to serve to you know springboard the plot forward he's not really given much to do it's there, kind of there is I, I like the guy who played the villain you mentioned his name earlier connor i liked him a lot I thought Colin he did Show, a yeah. Job. yeah i mean yeah he um michael angarano so there uh i don't remember if i found this on imdb or wikipedia but there was a point in production where um it was either minkoff or the screenwriter john fusco um considered making the main character they were like oh maybe we should make him chinese like maybe we just like need to like commit kind of thing and both jackie chan and jet lee were like no 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 no, no. like he should be a white kid and i'm i interesting I, I, I could only find like a little tidbit of that so i don't know what the actual context of like that decision was like i don't know if it was them sort of unfortunately being like nah it's a hollywood movie like it should be a white kid or, I mean, because the the thing about this movie that I think it doesn't lean enough on and it should lean on it more because it would make it more interesting is it does take a couple jabs at the thing of like, oh, you're just another white boy who's like obsessed with Kung Fu. Like and yeah. that and that's like interesting enough and sort of commendable in its own way. And so I can imagine that might be the angle that like. Lee and Chan were both like, no, no, no. Like, we like that aspect of the movie, too. He's got to be a white kid. Otherwise, that doesn't right, work. Right, because there's a part like, of me that's like, isn't it nice that, like, you know, he's a white kid who's interested in culture beyond, like, just American bullshit? Right. Well, but and you do have to then wrestle with that against, like, oh, is he a white savior? Yeah, right, like, right. Is it exoticism? I mean, it's not, you're like, not dealing, it's not last samurai levels of kind of, right. you know, lofty kind of what have you you know, scenarios in which Tom Cruise is saving the samurai, samurai culture and, you know, all that. But I think it's a little self-effacing, like you're saying, Connor, and I think that's smart enough. I mean, it, everything about this movie is enough. It's like yeah. smart enough, entertaining enough, right? You, you know, it did okay. It cost like $55 million. It made like one thirty. You know, it's like nobody... Nobody was, nobody was, you know, popping champagne, you know, and, and going crazy, with, you know, with the success of this movie, but nobody was going to the mm -hmm. poorhouse either. You know, it's like, it's a Hollywood, it's a Hollywood wusha movie in the shadow of Crouching Tiger. So it's like, you know, you have Crouching Tiger, you have Hero, and this is like the family version of that. With like, yeah, but like some, you know, seven years too late. No, right. With this amalgamation <laughs> of Chinese fables that kind of don't really work, probably written by the wrong person, but it has the right Chinese action stars in them. And that, I mean, look, I don't know. Let me just use this quick moment to say, hey, I love Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights, and I always have. Uh, you know, Jackie Chan's great in those, you know? <laughs> I So real quick, so I'm just looking at Minkov's uh, IMDb real quick. And it is crazy. Stuart Little, his, right? No, but it's his like, next movie, like Unplanned, whatever, is it's fly, called, no, it's fly. called Chinese Odyssey. Oh, interesting. Is Whoa. the name of the movie. So maybe he's trying to just go back to it a little bit. Who fucking knows, I guess. 
He um, also co-directed the Lion King 2 Simba's Pride video game. Oh, classic. <laughs> classic video game. Um, what I love is funny... not the actual movie. Just the, the video game. Just the video no, game. No, just the video game. I don't know. I don't even know how that works. Yeah. I will say Minkoff was on... Um, I don't know if you guys watch Honest Trailers, uh, but I, I'm a I'm a pretty big fan of Honest yeah, Trailers. Yeah, and yeah. He was on Honest Trailers. They like bring on, they get like reactions sometimes from people, like mm. filmmakers who are like willing to do it. And Minkoff went on their Lion King one. And when the Kimba White Tiger joke gets made, Minkoff's reaction is actually really funny. He's like, "Okay, moving along, moving along, moving along." He's like very <laughs> funny about it. Which I thought was pretty, pretty honest and pretty, pretty good. Um, one thing I just wanted to mention because uh, we're coming to the end here, Jet Li did make his first quote unquote drama in uh, 2010 a movie called Ocean Heaven, where he is a father of an autistic son. And the, he is terminally ill. It's like a very kind of tearjerker drama movie. Um, I started it. It's free on YouTube. I've been liking it for the most part. Obviously, it's very sad. I plan to finish it tonight. But that would I would just recommend if you want to see Jet Li doing something different. You know, ten I'm years sorry, ago. I'm sorry, but his his first drama was in 2005. It's called Unleashed. <laughs> yeah, no, that's well, right. That's actually, what I said. it's I called Danny quote the unquote Dog, drama. So. Yeah, Danny the Dog. I, I used to be one of those assholes who would be like, you know, do that. It, yeah. it, you it know, was originally released Dog. as Danny yeah. the Dog. It's, yeah, because yeah, that movie. I don't know. Like, I just love that movie so much, and I think yeah, that is the perfect of yeah. joining of everything that he is good at. I think the fight scenes are actually well done, and I just, you know, fucking uh, Morgan Freeman plays a blind piano tuner, and Bob Hoskins is a Cockney he, weird Bob Hoskins is dude. a lot. He's, think, Bob Hoskins is my favorite part of that movie, actually. So Louis, so Louis Leterrier, right? Who is a filmmaker who has kind of he's doing the Dark Crystal stuff now, but. This has to, that had to be so he does the transporter and then he does unleashed and he kind of never got back there right he does transporter two the incredible Hulk Clash of mm-hmm. the Titans now you see me and then Grimsby so I just think those first two movies he did were really kind of peak uh, Leterrier right I mean unleashed is definitely the best westernized Jet Li movie wouldn't you say uh, I think yeah, I, I'd have to say so. It's better than Kiss of the Dragon, right? Western Eye. Oh, meaning like hint, like fish like out of water type. Thing, like if you like, if you don't account for Hero or Fearless, right? right, right, if, right like right, the right. movies yeah. where they take him and they're like where they're like putting him in Europe, you know, or whatever. Like, yeah, I would say this yeah. has to be the best. I didn't I didn't rewatch Unleashed for this, so I it's not at, it's not super fresh in my brain. I was really taken aback with Kiss of the Dragon. Like I re- I was like, oh, this is like like I will watch it again probably oh, sometime totally. within the next totally. you know what i mean like i'll put it on um but yeah no it, you're probably right it probably is the best uh yeah so real so you guys might remember this there was like news gossipy news that he looked really ill gently a few years ago i don't know if you remember there's like a photo taken where he looked very gaunt and like sickly and then he had he had ended up kind of doing a making making a press release basically saying he was fine and it was just kind of more op it was more like really more the aesthetics of the photo than anything. I mean, obviously he's gotten mm-hmm. older and, you know, he's lost some hair or what have you, but he, he's kind of, I mean, he's in Mulan, of course, he's acting less like many people in his older age, but he has said he's going to continue to act. So I feel like Mulan is a good example of like, you know, he's playing the emperor who knows how much screen time he has. It's kind of one of these, I would imagine, you know, um, like, distinguished roles that someone like him would play. Jackie Chan's been doing more of that himself. He's been making more kind of Jackie Chan. uh, I'm speaking about, he's been making more kind of like 
decidedly pro-China movies in the last few years as well. Um, you know, in which he's like playing generals and stuff like that, you know, less at less stunts, right. And a little bit more quote unquote acting, if you will. So mm-hmm. I would bet Jet Li's going to do more of that, you know, as we kind of move on. And I watched, he made right. a movie He'll- called the Sorcerer and the White Snake from like 2011, where there's a little bit of action in it, but it's limited. He's a sorcerer. It's like more mystical. The effects are really bad. You know, it wasn't a particularly well-reviewed movie, but it was like a 3D movie in China. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of that moving forward if he keeps making movies. Right. He'll become like the elder statesman right. Han Solo in The Force Awakens type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I would love, I mean, I, you know, I would, I'm trying to think of even bring like what would be an interesting kind of, I don't know, continuation of a story. He kind of, he made a, for someone like himself, he made a lot of one-off movies. Like he, you know, other than the Once Upon a Time in China franchise, he didn't really continue right like these any, you know, like Jackie Chan has the rush hours, you know, the Shanghai movies. I mean, he has the expendables. So. Right, right. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah. but I mean, War was 100% teeing up a sequel. What right. do you call the sequel to War though? You know, World, World War or Cradle yeah. War III, the 2. Brave. World War, Cradle Three, <laughs> Cradle the Three, the Great. No, well, but done. like War, definitely like you know has like Romeo Statham. should Romeo should die becomes conditional. Right, <laughs> Romeo must die. Romeo might need to die. You go full uh, rise. You go, you go. You go. You go full rise of the Planet of the Apes, where you start with the you start with the the emphatic, and then you go to oh, the yeah. soft. You go rise dawn, and then you go Romeo must Romeo yeah. should the you third, know, really yeah, second base die. of the dragon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, I uh, so well, second, well, second base of the, that took me way too long. I was like <laughs> second base of the, oh yeah kiss kiss nice nice okay yeah yes I um yeah but like war like because they. I was like, oh, so are we going to get like a flash forward and Jason Statham's going to like have another arm in a sling? Because like, I don't think right. they really show him being dead, dead, you know, and um, I don't know, like he's driving off with his money and stuff. And I was just like, and there these two shall continue their it, adventures in War 2. Still, I will warring. say war did not do well uh, in theaters, but it made a killing uh in the deep in the video uh, world i really right. because not again these kind of do right like is yeah. that cover sort of that cover is the these two guys who you like staring yeah. at each other like they're gonna hit each other for two hours and yeah. you're like i want to be a part of that i Stay war like, to me in a war. i feel like we're war to me feels like a uh like a hotel movie like if you're like traveling or something oh, yeah, 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 yeah. and you're like still awake in your hotel room you're like yeah i'm gonna I'm, i'll put on yeah i'll rent i'll get wars war. on yeah yeah my choices right. are between war and new year's eve yeah i guess right. i'll do war right exactly war every or, time, or, baby. yeah like an airplane movie kind of thing i feel like it's that it's that vibe well i remember watching like speaking to jackie chan i don't think i ever finished it but you know it's a plane you're on a plane i remember watching railroad tigers which is this chinese kind of adventure movie that he made in recent years jackie chan made and yeah like i you know okay i didn't finish it but like perfect plane movie the first hour i was like hey this is fun it's like you know, a lot of action sequences and stuff like that. So I think, yeah, these are totally movies that can kind of get digested anywhere, which is the point, I suppose. Um, what do we want to see from him next? Once again, kind of a hard question to ask because who knows how much he'll make. And, you know, he hasn't made a lot in the last five yeah. years. I would love so, to see him work with a really great director. Like I only because I couldn't help but think about like watching even Kiss of the Dragon like thinking like oh man and obviously this is impossible now but i mentioned this to you dan the other day like 
uh, could you imagine what Jet Li would have been like in like a Tony Scott movie? Like, yeah, that would have, you know what I mean? Like, a like to see, I would love to yeah. see him with a good director who could handle like great R-rated action. That like, and again, maybe he's too old for it now. But even bring somebody else in, and, and to your point, Brian, make him the make him the elder statesman, right? Like, make him the yeah. the mentor. Well, you know what's interesting? Whatever. Jackie Chan, right, is a great action director, right? We know this. So that would have been nice. Like sure. Jackie Chan, who's like, you know, a decade older than Jet Li, directing Jet Li, right? Like yeah. Jackie Chan not being in the movie, stepping away, being behind the camera and directing Jet Li. I would, I, which I guess could still happen, I guess to a lesser degree in terms of the actual stunt work. But that would be great. I would love to see Jackie Chan, who is still directing. Obviously, he wants to keep directing. Like that would be such an interesting thing to see them reunite and have Chan directly i feel like would be so cool but you know i don't know that feels like a long shot at this point what about you brian anything you'd like I to just say? want him to be happy you know <laughs> yeah i agree maybe if we could get like a kenneth lonergan directed and written sequel to Unleashed, oh that would be <laughs> i mean kenny lonergan did do a pass on a uh, rocking this Bowl is Nicole, right Brian, is that like your third Kenneth Lonergan reference in this episode? Yeah, like this. <laughs> did you this just episode, watch? Yeah. Did you just rewatch Margaret? No, like, but uh, Manchester by the Sea is always very close. Oh, right, of course. Yeah, you're a big Manchester guy. God, understandably, understandably. <laughs> but he's like my go-to shorthand for like, what's the movie about? Nothing, but it will destroy you. Yeah, <laughs> like it cannot be summed up. It's not a high concept movie. Oh, fun fact by the way about Kenneth Lonergan, he has credits on two episodes of the Nickelodeon show Doug. Does he really? I see that. Yeah, which great ones? Show. Are they the ones um, that destroy you? It's 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 <laughs> it's the segment Doug's mail order mania, and then Doug throws a party. Okay, oh. the mail order mania, I think, is the one where he keeps like uh, sending into like the publisher's clearinghouse, and like it doesn't. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. He also wrote he wrote a Howard's End adaptation that came out like two years ago that I really want to see because I'm a big I love Anglophile shit like that. Like I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I'm like a big fan of like like the new Emma just came out and I was like, sign me up, like a bunch of white English people talking about <laughs> nothing. I am yeah, like I love Jane Eyre. I love Anna Karenina. Brian, I know you love Anna Karenina. Yeah. Um, that's obviously Russian, but you know, same deal. And um, but it's played f- by British people, so right. Big right. fan of all those. Big fan of all those movies. So, Brian, tell us where we can find you in the world, my friend. Oh man, uh, in my house, avoiding humanity like everyone else. <laughs> um, Amen. So, yeah, uh, you know, thefilmstage.com has my writing and uh, all the episodes of the Film Stage Show, and uh, Twitter, Instagram, all that is at Brian J Rowan. My personal site is brianjerowan.com. And uh, if you're in the Maryland, D.C., Virginia area and you want to come to Beltsville to get a taste of some good gin and whiskey, Schmidt Spirits. Schmidt Spirits, baby. Yes. Once we're allowed to go and leave our houses and Brad Pitt and Muriel Eno start (laughs) running around trying to save their kids. I will be there, my friend. That was a World War Z reference, by the way. <laughs> yes, it World was. That was interesting. <laughs> That's a movie that I will say, quick defense of that movie. That movie starts. That mo- that movie's uh, like, hey, we're if just we a, do a Brad just Pitt in Philadelphia. Part two, we'll talk World War Z. Why not? Yeah, I love the way that movie starts. It's like, hey, we're a family. Oh my God, they're zombies. Let's Uh-oh. run. And that's the whole movie. It's pretty <laughs> yeah. good. Um, Connor, what about you, bro? Where can uh, we find you? You can you can also find me avoiding humanity. Uh, yeah, but you can, the epicenter you, you, of badness in New York. Right yeah, now. you can follow me 
Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Scruffy Looking. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at TFSB side. And uh, you can also find me occasionally on thefilmstage.com. And you can find me at Twitter at DJ Mecca, M-E-C-C-A. And I'm writing stuff for the film stage here and there and everywhere. And that's kind of it. TFS the B-side. We got some fun stuff we're trying to do while we are you know, being quarantine and whatnot, trying to find some fun things to do as movies kind of get postponed and whatnot. At so, least your show is always about talking about previously released movies. Right. I have no have idea to, what the you fuck we're going to gonna do. All right. Well, you guys have classic episodes, right, that yes, are kind so. of user-based that you'll have to maybe do and stuff like that. So um, there's a hope that we talk about The Mask of Zorro because I would love to talk about that with you guys. That's a good one. Yeah. And Brian... Michael Snydell will call him out, shot down the way back episode because he's a bully. Yes, he is a, movie a bully. That, a I movie hate that. that. Brian, a movie you liked that we the way, you liked the way back, right? I loved the way yeah, back. It was great. Okay, I wanted yeah. to talk about it. And I'm they're like, it. no, we have to do Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Ben reckoning with his own demons while coaching a basketball team. What is there not to like? Good that movie, movie yeah. is so good. The, good. the best. Oh, uh, I don't want to spoil the way back for anyone who's listening to this, but like, you know, you and I talked about it. You yeah. get it. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. The yeah, the way yeah, the the trajectory of the movie is very honest in a way that you don't always get. You know, yeah, you yeah. know. No you easy know, solutions think, in this life. You cannot avoid your problems and fix them by fixing something else. You know, and if if you think about it like this, Hoosiers, right? Pretty famous sports movie. It's like the main character was the Dennis Hopper character, right? That's kind mm-hmm. of what the movie's right, about, you know. Right, so yeah. I yeah. think it's a really interesting uh it's really interesting. Gavin O'Connor basically a, I say a really good director warrior shot in pittsburgh represent and yeah. warriors um, on hulu right now check it out when you're quarantined you know, warrior's good i think i like way back more than warrior but Warrior's good and um I even pride and glory warrior. parts of pride and glory not a great movie but an interesting cop movie pride and glory so and of course miracles a little bit more disney focused type of movie but good and it's still good right, so. still good yeah but not, not on maybe. the level of warrior and gave it yeah um i think that's it I, all right I, um i think so oh, go ahead connor and uh yeah, I mean, is there anything? I, I guess we, I was pitching a James Bond episode that we had. Uh, you know, we were prepping, and obviously that got pushed back. So, you know, as Dan and Brian both just mentioned, with everything going on, we're going to be kind of, I think, wheeling and dealing in the next few weeks with the things that we cover and the things that we want to yeah. do. Throw um, out suggestions if you got them on Twitter. Yeah, we'll happily we'll happily take yeah. them uh, as you as you as you listeners know. Usually we try and coincide them with wide releases, but since maybe there won't be any more movies in 2020, we'll um you know we'll just kind of yeah play we'll play, it by, play it by ear and uh, you know stay safe, stay healthy, and do not go gently into that good night. Hãy subscribe